Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Thank you for joining me. And by the way, don't forget to share this with a friend, with a neighbor, with a loved one. Let them know. Uh, if, you, if you're enjoying these programs, please, please share it with others so we can keep growing our audience. And don't forget that these programs, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> these programs air on bishopewjackson.tv, bishopewjackson.tv. They air on Roku at uh, the Awakening Network or Bishop E.W. Jackson. They air on Fire Stick, uh, same thing, either Bishop E.W. Jackson or E.W. Jackson or the Awakening Network. Uh, and let me see, what am I missing? Um, oh, and of course, you can get them. They're, they're archived and airing on our, um, uh, oh my goodness, what, a, what is it? Our... Um, well, on the internet, you can you can get on the internet. I'm, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm I'm blanking out. But but you you get my point. I'll I'll come back to whatever I, whatever wherever it was I was going. But um, uh, you can find them on oh on our app, of course. That's what I was trying to think of. On our app, you can find them on our app, the E W Jackson app. Go to either the the Apple Store or the Google Store. Put in E W Jackson, and the app will come up. Okay, I did mention yesterday uh, some of my speaking engagements, and uh, I was having a hard time finding one. It's because I was in the wrong week. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at the um, a Frederick Douglass Regional Conference in Richmond on October 31st, 6 p.m. Uh, on October 31st at 7900 Walmsley Boulevard, 7900 Walmsley Boulevard in, uh, in Richmond. That's the Frederick Douglass Regional Conference or the Douglass Leadership Institute Regional Conference that's going to happen there on, in Richmond on uh, that Thursday, October 21st at 6 p.m., 7900 Walmsley Boulevard. Now here again, that should be on my app as well. That information should be there. Okay. All right. Look, you know, what I want to come back to today before we get into the book of Philippians is this. And for those of you who are parents, grandparents, plan to be parents, please take this to heart. There are leftist demonic forces that are targeting our children and they want them badly. They want them badly. Uh, they want them for the most sick, nefarious purposes imaginable. They want them under control. They want them answering to the state or the cultural influences that they choose to expose them to rather than the parents. Now, I'm very, very serious about this, folks. Very serious about this. We've got to be more protective of our children and our young people than we've ever been before. Because Satan is really moving in a very aggressive way in the minds and hearts of people with tremendous arrogance, too, 
to really try to, to, to take control of our children. Uh, I, I decided I was going to mention this before I got into the book of Philippians because of this arrest of this young girl out in Wyoming, this Wyoming teenager who was arrested for refusing to wear a mask on school grounds. They arrested her for trespassing. I have got to believe that a court will look at that and say, that's not a valid charge. You can't say that you are trespassing because you are failing to obey a certain rule in a place that you have every right to be. All you can say is you are violating the rules and you must leave the premises unless you're willing to adhere to the rules. But you can't say you are trespassing and we're going to charge you with a crime. It's a public school. The child's a student in the school, has a right to be in the school, and doesn't want to wear a mask. So you say, well, we have a rule that requires wearing masks. Since you don't want to wear a mask, we are suspending you or we are sending you home. But not we're arresting you for trespassing. And the, the way you deal with that is when the child, apparently she refused to leave the premises, you don't call the police, you call the parents. You say, you, we got your daughter here. She's in, she's in uh, the principal's office. Uh, she won't wear a mask. She's got to wear a mask. We're asking her to leave. She doesn't want to leave. Would you come get your child, please? Arresting her for trespassing. And I have to think, you know, as I have tremendous respect for, for law enforcement officers. I've got to think that that cop is thinking to it. And, and it was a very respectful inter interchange. I mean, he wasn't abusive or nasty or anything like that. I've got to think that he's thinking to himself, you've got to be kidding me. This is what they want me doing. You got all kinds of crime taking place out there and they want me arresting a child for not wearing a mask. But look, I, I got to thinking about what, what are they really, oh, and by the way, after the child didn't wear, wouldn't wear the mask, they put the whole school on lockdown. Oh yeah. Stop, freeze where you are, it's an emergency. There's a child who didn't wear a mask. We're all gonna die, don't move. This stuff is insane. But you know what I think the real point of all of that is? To teach these children to obey the state. To teach them to move in lockstep with the orders that they are given by the state. And when one child breaks ranks, all of them have to understand the horrible consequences that someone has broken ranks. Someone has refused to obey. Someone has refused to adhere to our rules. Everybody must be punished. This person is trying to kill us all. That's the way they treated it. Locked down the whole school because one child didn't wear a mask. I've been saying for years, folks, they call it cancel culture. It's not cancel culture. It's communist culture. It's totalitarian culture. And I've been saying for years that what we are seeing here is the rise of totalitarian culture. And if Andrew Breitbart was right, that politics is downstream from culture, I've said if, the to the if a totalitarian culture continues in our country, eventually it will produce a totalitarian government. It has to. I mean, that's the logical extension. And we're seeing the signs of it already. And she's not the only one. A woman arrested in the supermarket, 
Um, one woman arrested at a, at a, at a baseball game. Um, we've seen this stuff. I mean, we are seeing it now emerging where the state is actually using force to arrest people and prosecute people for failing to adhere to these cockamamie rules that really don't mean a hill of beans. I, I told you, I'm convinced that the masks do nothing. Do absolutely nothing. I'm convinced of it. I think it's a joke. Singapore, mass to the hilt, 85% of the people in Singapore uh, given the shot, the vaccination, and they're having an outbreak of COVID. Apparently the masks didn't, aren't helping, and apparently the vaccine isn't helping. Uh, look, I, I believe that the thing that's going to do more than anything else is herd immunity. As more and more people who are relatively healthy get the disease, develop the antibodies, and the antibodies create an immunity that will ultimately turn this into something like the flu. Because we're resistant to it. But, but I, I'm convinced that the mask wearing is just to make people feel better. And frankly, the vaccines to me are of questionable effectiveness at best. Questionable effectiveness at best. Now, that's just my view. Here again, I don't object to anybody getting the vaccine. God bless you. Go get it. You think you need it? You want it? Do it. I'll defend your right to do it. I'm serious. But I'm also going to defend a person's right not to do it. Not to get a vaccine, not to wear a mask, not to do any of these things that the state is ordering people to do and using these things to morph us into a totalitarian society. Now, I said I wanted to talk about children today because this just got me thinking about exercising this kind of control over kids where you arrest them for failing to wear a mask, teaching them you better learn to obey the state because if you don't, the consequences are severe. Well, this has nothing to do with the state, but it does have to do with the, the, the continuing perversion of our culture. Um, some schools are banning the flying of the homosexual flag and the uh, Black Lives Matter flag because they say that these flags are divisive and that they should not be flown in schools because all they serve to do is divide children and get children hating each other. And basically what they promote is tribalism. And they've said what, what, what thank God somebody is finally saying, one flag flies in this institution, the American flag. That's it, that's all. Now, these children who go to these schools where they're allowing this homosexual perversion flag, a, a perversion of God's rainbow, by the way, which he gave us as a sign that he would never again destroy the earth by water. And, uh, and, and now the homosexuals have taken it and made it an idolatrous thing. It, of course it's not, it's still, it's God's, it's God's rainbow, but they've taken it, turned it into something sick and perverse. But children are being, this stuff is being forced upon them by teachers the Black Lives Matter flag, they ought to call it the Black Lives Murderers flag because more black people have been murdered since the rise of Black Lives Matter in the 2020 
uh, riots and all of that after George Floyd's death, more black people have been murdered, and they're not being murdered by police, and they're not being murdered by white supremacists. They're being murdered by other black people. And more children have been murdered in the streets of our cities since the rise of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is a sick, perverse, Marxist symbol, and it should not be flown anywhere where people have good sense, and it certainly shouldn't be pushed on children. Thank God we've got some school systems that are saying, <clears throat> we're not allowing it. Now, of course, the homosexuals, one teacher resigned because he was made to take down his homosexual flag. Good, he didn't belong in the public schools anyway. But, but listen to what this teacher said. He said, um, um, I'll, I'll paraphrase it until I find it. Oh, here, here we go. Here it is. He said, I, I will not sign a letter saying that I will not discuss human sexuality or my own personal sexuality in the classroom or have no displays or coursework on those subjects. Now listen to what this man is saying. He says, I want to discuss my own personal sexuality in the classroom. Does that strike you as just odd? Why do you want to discuss your personal sexuality in the classroom? Well, it's a very simple reason because what they're really trying to do is recruit children into sexual perversion. That's really what this is all about. They're trying to get children to understand their perspective, which is that their sexual perversion is normal and good and right, and that these children ought to participate in it too. Why else would you want to discuss your own personal sexuality in the classroom? And I'm quoting what he said. He will not be in a place where he can't discuss his own personal sexuality in the classroom. I've said this many times before, but I'll say it again. I, I really believe that we're looking at the slow, steady, sometimes subtle, sometimes overt rise of pe pedophilia in our country. Because I think these people are, are essentially, some of them are just essentially, um, they're such sexual predators that pedophilia is something that they want to be able to practice. And the sooner they can get children to buy into this and get the society to buy into it, the easier it will be for them to prey on children. Now, I mean, I know that that may seem far out and that may seem to some people, well, wait a minute, Bishop Jackson, you may be going a little bit too far. Why else would you want to discuss your own personal sexuality with a bunch of students? Well, if that doesn't prove my case, Disney Plus, who is, by the way, has hired pedophiles. No, I'm not exaggerating or making it up. Disney has actually hired, I, I think I've got the stories archived, hired two convicted pedophiles to work for Disney. But look at this. Disney Plus is going to host an LGBTQ pride concert aimed at kids starring drag queen Nina West. And they're going to perform popular Disney songs with reimagined LGBTQ themes. Reimagined. 
Heard that? That's a Marxist term. We need to reimagine, yeah. We need to reimagine life without individual liberty and freedom. We need to reimagine uh, family without this male, female, husband, wife, father, mother construct and let it be any conglomeration of anything we want it to be. That's reimagining. Why in the world would Disney want to target kids with this? The same reason why they would hire pedophiles to work for Disney. Because they want our children. Look, let, let me put it this way. The Bible says um, that when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Notice this, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. But what that means is sin is not satisfied until everybody's dead. That's what it does. It's, it's a killer. Men, women, children must die. That's sin's mandate. The wages of sin is death. And until that, it never gets enough. You think opening the floodgates of homosexuality and now transgenderism and all this non-binary, crazy, you know, uh, uh, polyamorous stuff now, you know, you have multiple people all married at once. They had, that's legal in Cambridge, Massachusetts now. You think all of this stuff is going to have a stop that, oh, it's going to go to this point and then it's going to stop. Oh, yeah, right? That's, that's where the line is drawn. No, it, it, there is no line. There is no line. It gets to, it, homosexuality is, you know, declared uh, some kind of, you know, prote protected sexual orientation, some kind of protected deal. Well, then you got to bring transgenderism in. What about that? Then you got to get children hormones and you got to operate on them. You got to change your genitalia. You gotta, what about, yeah, you got to do all that. You got to take, take kids away from parents who won't go along with the, with the kids' announced um, gender identity. Those parents have to have those children taken away from them because those parents are dangerous. They're bigoted. They're... Do you see the progression here? There's no end to this. There's no end to it. The only way it ends is through the grace of God, and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, saving people and delivering them out of this degradation and depravity. That's the only end to it. And that's why, and I'm not suggesting this, endorsing this, uh, promoting this in any way. But that is why in the Old Covenant, God ordered the children of Israel to kill homosexuals. I don't support that. I don't agree with that. But here, that was under the law. Where there, and by the way, death was mandated for, for many different crimes, but this was one of them. But that was under the law where God was teaching people, according to the, the New Covenant, that the Old Covenant was a schoolmaster leading people to Christ, God was teaching people that under the law, when you sin, you deserve to die. So wasn't it God just said, well, kill homosexuals, everything else is okay. Okay, so, but, but my point is, 
there's a text in the Old Covenant that says, and thus put evil away from you. In other words, limit it, circumscribe it, coordinate off, stop it from growing and spreading. Well, obviously, in the age of grace, we understand we don't kill people because they're sin, because they sin, no matter how bad that sin may be, no matter how terrible it may be. And of course, we do, we do execute people for, for committing certain uh, uh, crimes uh, under our legal system. That's one thing. But I'm, I'm saying we don't say, well, you know, let's just kill all the homosexuals. We, we wouldn't think, we don't think like that. By the way, Islamists do think like that. And they accuse we Christians of being Taliban and we and we're praying for people and and pleading with people and trying to persuade people. But we're the Taliban, but they don't talk about Muslims like that because they're afraid that Muslims will cut their heads off and throw them off roofs, which is what they do, what the Islamists do. The Islamists, that's what they do. What do we Christians do? We pray for them. We we want to see people converted. We want to see people delivered. We want to see people helped. We want to see people blessed. We want to see people be, be in heaven with us one day. But they point the finger at us Christians as the ultimate example of hatred and bigotry. Well, you know, we're really, really pointing the finger at the word of God. But let me get back to my, my essential point. My essential point is this. Do you really think that pedophilia is the line that they would draw? They won't. They won't because there is no line. The line is you continue to pursue your perverse lusts from one thing to another. And since it will never be satisfied, there is no depth, no limit to the depth of depravity, which to which people will sink trying to satisfy their perverse sexual lusts. And that includes exploiting children. You think that drag queen story hour is just about trying to entertain children? No, it's not. It's about grooming children. You think this Disney stuff is about entertaining children? No, it's about grooming children. It's grooming them to make them more, more ready targets of sexual predators, particularly homosexuals. That's what this is all about. Because normal people wouldn't even think of trying to ply preschoolers, kindergartners, first graders with a bunch of sexual mess. Normal people don't even think like that. I've said it before, and I know I've gotten into trouble saying it, but I'll say it again because it's the right thing to say. Homosexuality is abnormal. It is not normal. It is abnormal. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't love the homosexual. I love the homosexual, the transgender, love them, pray for them, don't want to hurt them, don't want to harm them, don't want to kill them, don't want to see anybody do that to them either. But it is not normal. And you can see that with this kind of behavior because normal people don't think about how they can teach young children, prepubescent children, about all this sexual stuff. Normal people don't think like that. We better, we're talking about building a wall. Of course, the left has done away with that. You see the result. That's, that's kind of a metaphor for where we are. 
President Trump was trying to build a wall to keep people out of our country who don't have a legal right to be here. And God wants us to build walls of morality to keep sin out of our lives, to keep it out of our society. And the left is busy tearing down walls because they don't want any rules. They don't want any walls. They want to be able to do whatever their sick minds can come up with to do. In fact, that leads me to that scripture in the book of Ezekiel. Um, I want to say, um, I think it's in Ezekiel 32. Let me find that real quick. But that is why God said, Ezekiel 22, Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. See, we, we talk about that stand in the gap phrase. And that's what we always think of with that scripture. But the first thing he says, I sought from among them. I sought for a man who would make a wall. Now, what's the wall for? The wall is to distinguish between good and evil, between right and wrong, between truth and falsehood, between morality and immorality, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. In other words, there's God's morality, there's God's wisdom, there's God's way, there's God's truth, which is absolute, but there is a gap between that and the way of the world, and God is saying, I'm looking for someone to stand in that gap on behalf of the land and say what? This is God's truth, and what you are doing and saying is wrong. God says, so that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore, I poured out my indignation on them. I consumed them with the fire of my wrath and recompensed their deeds on their own heads. That's what's going to happen to people who don't have Christ Jesus in their lives, who have not surrendered their lives to him. That's what's going to happen to them. And look, it, 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 before that, it goes through a long list of, of wrongs that the people are doing. But look, here's the, here's the essence of it. It says, they have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, this is in verse 26, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. They have not distinguished between the holy and and the unholy, nor made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. I think that is the essence of why God says, so I sought for a man who would build a wall. Yeah, that border wall is a metaphor. It's a spiritual metaphor, really, for the forces in our country that are tearing down 
every wall that distinguishes between the holy and unholy, between the, the clean and the unclean. That wall is meant to keep people out who do not have a right to be here, who should not be here because they have not come here the proper legal and therefore moral way. It is to keep them out. And the moral walls that God gives, gives us are to keep out things that God says should not be in our lives and should not be in our society. Homosexuality, transgenderism, pedophilia, these are among those things that should not be in our lives and should not be in society. And the left, the Democrat Party, are trying to tear down those walls. Just tear them down. Anything goes. And yes, we want to get to your children. I, I, I told this story before, and I'm going to tell it one more time, because to me, it is instructive, and it's an experience that God allowed me to have, I believe, so that I would never forget. But I told you all, I took a group of people up to protest a GLAD group that was giving out literature to children, elementary school children, and they were little pamphlets, you know, I don't know, about uh, four inches high and, uh, and maybe two and a half inches wide. So they weren't big things. On the front, it had two men or two women kissing. And under that, that picture, it would have a caption, just do it. And inside, it gave a list of all the celebrities and all the people allegedly who were homosexuals, by the way, it, it included Richard Gere, and Richard Gere has never denied that he's a homosexual, but he's never acknowledged that he is either, and I, I don't have any evidence that he is, but they listed him and, and, and other people as well that you might not have thought, well, I did not know that person was a homosexual, but this is for children. They're giving this out to children to tell the children, see all these great people that you admire, all these great people that you know, all these celebrities that you know, they're all homosexual. So what, is, what, is, what, what was the message they were trying to get to them? You should be too. You want to be like these people. You want to be hip, cool, you know, like they are. You want to be famous. You want to be rich. You want to be, you know, like they are. It, it, disgusting. When I confronted the leaders of this thing, I said, you don't have a right to give these things to children against the will of their parents. Their parents are the ones who will teach them this, not you all. And they looked me in the eye and said to me, the parents won't tell their children the truth and we're gonna do it whether the parents like it or not. Arrogant, arrogant. I think there's more to it than that. I think what they're saying is we can't propagate, we can't reproduce, so we're gonna recruit. And we're going to teach children at the earliest possible age and stage the joys of homosexuality so that when the time comes, it will be easy to seduce them into sexual perversion. Now, I know some people will think that that's over the top, but you tell me. You, you, somebody get in touch with me and give me another explanation of why Disney is making homosexual, transgender entertainment for young children. Somebody else give me an explanation. Why, why young children, they need that. Why, why do they need that? They need it because the, the, the predators that they represent want to take advantage of these children and they want to ply them early and get them, they want to prime them, you see, 
Prepare them early for when they'll be ready for the plucking. I tell you, it's an abomination to God. And the devil is a liar. And you know what? Not on my watch. If I have anything to say about it, they will not be taking advantage of children. And I'm going to call this stuff out everywhere I see it. Because I think we do have, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything like that. I don't believe in some conspiracy theory about a bunch of, a, a, a ring of pedophiles. Da, da, da. But I tell you what, I just explained to you my biblical approach to this. Sin never gets enough. And the same people who are engaged in sexual perversion of other kinds want that kind too. And they're preparing themselves and preparing others for the day when they think they will be able to freely do that, just like they did in ancient Greece, Greece where it was considered some kind of badge of, of status for a, a, a wealthy, well-to-do, elite patrician to have a young boy for his sexual pleasures. So don't say human beings have never done it. And don't say societies have never winked at it, smiled at it. Um, Roman Polanski uh, committed an act of pedophilia against that, uh, that young girl. I, I forget her name now. She's not, you don't see her very much these days. But all Hollywood came to his, came to his pretty much came to his aid. Oh, well, he's a good guy. And you know what? If, if these sick Hollywood moguls who've been caught had not been caught, a lot of these Hollywood people would have still been up under them justifying every sick thing they did and patting them on the back as long as they could do, do them a favor. In fact, they would have been facilitating their sick pleasures. Many of them would have been. I'm not saying everybody in Hollywood. Look, they're conservatives in Hollywood. They're Christians in Hollywood. I realize that. But the culture of Hollywood is sick. It's depraved. All right. Let me get, let me get to Philippians here. Whew. Folks, this stuff, I'll tell you. If, if you weren't a Christian, which I am, and, and you, you, you weren't, Mature enough to understand, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. You could think of some very ugly things to do to people who take advantage of children this way and are doing this stuff, promoting this stuff and pushing this stuff on children. And it wouldn't be pretty. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We're going to defeat them with the power of God's word because God's word is true. All right, let's get back to Philippians. The 13th verse, uh, we're in Philippians chapter 3. We just finished up verse 12. Not that I'd already attained or I'm already perf perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. 13th verse says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And now here's, here's what the Lord is saying to us through the Apostle Paul under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. First, the statement of humility. I do not, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I want 
to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me, but I don't count myself to have gotten there yet. You know, folks, I'm 69 years old, and I really believe that there's so much more God wants to do with me before I leave this earth. I don't count myself to have apprehended. You'll never see me coming, oh, yeah, look at me. I've arrived. I'm big time. I, got, I mean, that, that, first of all, it's disgusting, but it's also spiritually dumb. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I don't count myself to have apprehended. And you know what? Once you do count yourself to have apprehended, what's left? Oh, I guess, I guess God's got to leave you alone because, after all, you've arrived. You've never arrived. Do you know that even in eternity, you're going to grow? Do you know that there's growth within perfection? So wait a minute, Bishop, how can that possibly be? Growth within perfection. Jesus was perfect. But the Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He was perfect from the moment he was born. And yet he grew. We're going to be growing throughout all of eternity. More and more wisdom, more and more knowledge, more and more understanding. And yet we will never even come close to a scintilla of the omniscience of Almighty God. But we're going to continue to grow for millions and millions and millions and millions of years, world without end. Amen. But we'll be growing within perfection. Right now, we are not perfect, not in the absolute sense. Then we will be perfect in the absolute sense, but we will still grow within that perfection. But we're not perfect in the absolute sense now, but we're, spo we're supposed to be pressing. See, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, okay? I don't, wow, and think about, as, as Christians, why in the world are people wallowing in, in, in obsessing about slavery? Now, I'm a student of history. I study these things. I read these things. But I don't, oh, this is, this is terrible. I'm old reparations, and I'm better. I'm forgetting those things which are behind. It doesn't mean you don't know the things that you've done wrong. It doesn't mean you don't know the shortcomings that you've shown in the past. But it means you don't hold on to them emotionally. Emotionally and spiritually, you forget them. In other words, you know that that's not who I am. I'm not living there. I'm not wallowing in that. I'm not obsessing about that. So I forget those things which are behind. What am I doing? I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know, I've said this many times, uh, but maybe you haven't heard me say it because I don't think I've, I don't know whether I ever said it on the, on the, uh, on the air here. But, you know, if you ever try to drive, from one destination to another by fixing your eyes in the rearview mirror, you're going to find out you're going to crash. You can't drive like that. You can't drive looking behind you. You can only drive looking ahead of you. Now, what do you do? You glance in the rearview mirror, right? Because by glancing in the rearview mirror, you see what's behind. You see what might be coming up. Okay, you, you get a sense of where you are, what the orientation is, what's around you, but you don't, you don't just drive looking in the rearview mirror. 
just take a guess. What would, what would you say? You probably spend 1%, 2%, maybe 5% of your time looking in the rearview mirror. Let's call it 10. But 90% of the time, you are looking ahead because you've got to. It says, I reach for those things which are ahead. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Not where there is no looking backward, the people perish. Vision is looking forward. And yet, there are forces in our country, the left, that want you constantly looking backward and then bringing that into the present with all of whatever bitterness you can conjure, whatever hardness you can conjure, whatever hatred you can conjure, whatever uh, disenchantment you can conjure, and make that your persona because of what happened 150 years ago or 200 or 300 years ago. That's crazy. It's unbiblical, too. It's not what God tells us to do. This verse right here is saying, I, I, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm looking ahead toward what God has for me. Not looking behind at what I think someone else has done to me, real or imagined. I said it this way. Stop obsessing about what someone else has done to you and start obsessing over what God wants to do through you. That should be our obsession. My obsession is not, oh God, my ancestors were brought here as slaves. That's terrible, that's bad. No, my obsession is, oh God, you put me here in this place at this time. You made me a citizen of the United States of America. What would you have me do? What do you want of me? That's the obsession that we ought to have. How can I be a blessing to others? How can I serve others? How can, how can I bring glory to your holy and righteous name? See, all that critical race theory stuff, all that 1619 Project stuff, it, there's many, many things you can say about it that's completely wrong, like, like a, lot of it, a lot of it is based on total lies. But I think to, for, for the Christian, the thing that you can say that, that is most telling is it's all godless. It's all godless. It is positing a world without God, and it is creating perception of a world without God. It is Marxist in its origins because Marx was somebody who posited a kingdom without God. Look, each of us has a different calling on our lives. They overlap, they're similar in some cases, but they're always different because I can't be in your skin and you can't be in mine. I can't be where you are and you can't be where I am. We cannot, both, two of us can't occupy, occupy the same space at the same time. It's impossible. The trajectory of your life and the trajectory of my life are different. Our job is to press 
toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is, what is the prize? What, what is it that God wants you ultimately to do or to be doing when he comes or to be doing with the time you have on this earth? That should be our obsession. One thing we just learned here is we've got to build some walls. I just covered that in Ezekiel 22. We've got to build some walls. We've, we've got to build some moral walls. We've got to build some cultural walls. We've got to build some spiritual walls. We've got to stand in the gap in behalf of the land. You know, God said in that text, I found no one. Well, he did find someone thousands of years later, which is Jesus Christ. And we who represent him are now qualified to stand in the gap in his name. We've got to build some walls. That's part of part of my upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I really believe is to impact the culture of this nation. I believe that's a calling of God on my life. Now, God may have a different track or a different approach for what he has for you to do. But we all ought to be pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We ought to be all forgetting those things which are behind in the spiritual and emotional sense in which that stuff has us captured and reaching forward unto those things which are before that what God has for us to do. You are his workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus beforehand that you should walk in them, walk in them. Your works are going to be somewhat different than my works. In some cases, very different than my works, but you ought to be walking in them. That's going to do it for today, folks. God bless each and every one of you. I love you. Please pray for me because there is more to be done than any single one of us can do. Although sometimes we tend to feel that it's all on our shoulders. It's not. It's really on God's shoulders and he is more than equal to the task. Our job is to do the part that he's given us so that we don't get frustrated and upset that we're not doing as much as we could, should, or we think we ought to do what God has for you to do. You know, George Washington used to say, all we can do is lift up a standard to which good and honest men can repair. The rest is in the hands of God. And that was the man who led the, the, the victory, uh, led the, the United States the victory in the Revolutionary War. And he said, all we can do is lift up a standard. The rest is in the hands of God. So you do your part. God will always do his. God bless you. And keep this in mind because it is absolutely true cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.